So you might be able to tell I'm under the weather a little bit. Um, got two antibiotic shots and two steroid shots and two different antibiotics and steroids and I don't know what else. Um, I lost track of what all I'm taking. Um, so I'm struggling a little bit today, physically, but that's okay. And he goes along well with, with the message that, that God has laid on my heart too. Um, we've been talking about Sighted. That's the name of our series that we're in right now. And uh, talking about how we probably need to adjust our vision in 2020. I know that sounds cliche. and like, okay, great. Can you come up with a cheesy kind of message about 2020? And uh, we need to adjust our vision. And, and, but I think that's true that in a lot of ways that sometimes we don't see things clearly. We don't see, the th see things that we should see. Uh, and, and we do th see things that we, don't, we shouldn't see. You know, that we're constantly got our vision diverted to something else or sometimes we have our blinders on and we're not seeing the things that we should see and I feel like that in 2020 we should just take time to reflect here at the beginning of 2020 just reflect on what it is that we do see and how we see things do we see things from a God perspective or do we only see our lives in this tiny little uh, microcosm of what's going on in our lives and that's all we really see and we're not really taking time to pause and look outside of that and see what's really going on what God is really doing because one of the things I think that we do is that we get so wrapped up in right here and right now that it begins to crush us. Am I right? You ever feel like you're being crushed by everything that's happening right now? Oh my goodness, this is going to be the end of me. This is, this is the worst thing that I've ever endured. There's no way I'm going to get past this now. You know, and, and, and we tend to live in that for a period of time. And, and the only way we can kind of get out of that in one way is to, is to look back and see how God has been faithful. It's what we just sang songs about. And the faithfulness of God remind us, reminds us the fact that, that though he has been faithful in the past, he's going to be faithful in the future, and you're not going to be crushed, and you're not going to be squashed, and life's not going to just, just, just smother you out like a flame. You're actually going to be able to continue to go on, and you need to see that, and you need to see that clearly. And I believe that sometimes we don't see that so clearly. Um, my daughter, Cassidy, um, she volunteers at a, a, uh, a sports camp. It's technically a sports camp. For children who are visually impaired and you guys have contributed to to allowing kids to go to that camp and that's a huge thing and we play videos up here and everybody's cried and we saw the videos and it was an amazing thing and um but but we've given donations to uh camp abilities of north florida that's what we've actually done and and, and in this camp the kids do all kinds of things they do um they do kayaking they, they even do bicycle riding which is they do tandem bicycles for kids. With, they're visually impaired kids. I need to back up just a second. All the kids are visually impaired, and, and they do bicycle riding. Uh, Cassie has actually put one of her um, one of her uh, campers on a bicycle, and just she said she wanted to ride, so she put a blind kid on a bicycle and said, "There you go, you know, off you go." And they kind of tried to keep up with her and made sure that she was good, and uh, she she rode a bicycle and things were good. But uh, they do all kinds of stuff. They do lots of swimming. Um, they they have uh, those stand up I don't know what they're called you know the, the surfboard things you stand up and you paddle paddle boards is that what they're called I thought that was too simplistic I thought maybe it's called something more elaborate than that but a paddle board they do those and, and like they do all this stuff uh, and these kids are all visually impaired uh, and it's an amazing thing to watch and there's this one kid there his name is Luke and Luke he's a I think he's like late teenager somewhere between seventeen and nineteen I'm not sure where he is exactly but but Luke is awesome. Uh, he, he, he was raised in an orphanage, so he really didn't have anybody to kind of help him, even though he was visually impaired. So he actually taught himself how to echolocate. 
And if you know what that is, that's what bats do, right? They make a clicking noise so that they can tell how far away things are, and they can adjust themselves and, and fly without ever being able to see. So that's really cool that bats can do that. It's even way cooler that, that Luke taught himself how to do that. And he'll walk around. I have seen this, guys. I've seen it with my, my own two eyes. That He will walk around in a room full of people, everybody talking, and he's clicking and making these noises with no cane or anything. And he's walking between tables, and he's walking around people. And, I mean, it is an amazing thing to watch. Luke is an incredible dude. Just talking to Luke. I mean, I'm like, Luke, you are my superhero. Like, you are a real-life superhero. I mean, like, we need to get you a cape and everything because you are awesome. Um, and and he, he teaches himself how to play the piano. I've got a little video of Luke playing the piano. Um, he... <laughs> It, it, it may not sound perfect in this video, but Luke said, I just tried to learn this song yesterday, so forgive me if it's not exactly perfect. Um, so this, he had like 24 hours to practice this song, but I, I've got a little clip of, uh, clip in, a clip of Luke um, playing the piano here, and I just want to show that to you. It's about a minute long. Let's just watch Luke play the piano. channel or something and he, he, he puts himself on there and he'll say funny things like I hope the camera's pointing at me I don't know if it is or not but uh, hopefully the camera's pointing at me um, <laughs> I mean Luke is, is just an awesome kid and it's awesome to watch how he does not let the fact that, that he's visually impaired uh, impair him in any way that he lives a normal life and he believes that he can do anything and he, he I, I mean he's, he's the guy uh, the, let me tell you some, something else that Luke does um, so he, he gets up early in the morning um, because he likes to go for a run. So this camp, campabilities that they have in North Florida is in the woods. It's a camp in the woods like most camps are. And, and so Luke goes for a 5 a.m. run. Uh, it kind of doesn't matter if the sun's up or not for him. So he goes for a 5 a.m. run and he runs through the woods completely blind. And, and <laughs> I don't, that just sounds like a miracle to me, the fact that he doesn't run into trees, he doesn't trip. As a matter of fact, because he's a, what they call a CIT, a counselor in training, that means that he's there to, to see after some of the younger ones. He has campers he's responsible for. And one of the things that they do is they have these sighted guides where they walk through the woods and they have to try to tell the kids, oh, watch out, there's a root coming up or there's a tree there, you need to turn left, turn right. So they, they walk behind them and kind of guide them through the woods or whatever. Luke is a sighted guide for one of the, count, for one of the kids. And Luke can't see. But he's telling them, watch out for this, turn left here, do all this kind of stuff. He is a sighted guide for the, the students. It is an amazing thing to, to hear about all the stuff that Luke has done. I'm telling you, we've got to get this dude a cape. But um, I, I just I, I think that Luke is one of these people that, though he is blind, he has got the right vision. He sees things. Uh, he sees the bigger picture. He sees what's important in life. 
He sees what he can do, not what he can't do. He makes things happen, and he's not worried about the fact that he's visually impaired. That doesn't stop him from doing things. Man, I want to be more like that. I want to be somebody that, that though, you know, I, I have stuff going on all around me, and it seems like my vision's all cloudy and stuff. I want to be able to see the things that, that I should be doing and can be doing and, and, and recognizing that God is with me and God is at work in and through my life instead of being so focused on all the stuff that's going on right around me and, and, and being blinded by that stuff. I, I want my vision to be clear to see the bigger picture. Um, some people are, are better at seeing the bigger picture than others. I happen to kind of be a better, bigger picture guy, but that doesn't mean that in my life when bad stuff happens that I don't get my vision clouded by all the stuff going on around me because it happens, and it happens to every single person. Um, so that's the reason we're in this series called Sighted here in 2020. And I'm going to read a, um, a passage to you. Uh, it's about Jesus healing a blind man, which Jesus did very often, and uh, some of the perspectives that people had on blind people back in those days, and we'll talk about that as we go through the passage, but um, we're going to be talking, I can't wait, really, uh, to get to next week. Actually, I've been thinking about next week already, and it's like already got me fired up, so um, I, you just have to come back next week. It's like a soap opera. You have to just wait and see. Um, that way I get you to come back next week, but uh, I'm already excited about that one. This this one um, is probably a message that you've heard before uh, about Jesus healing this blind man. And the, um, the Pharisees are trying to explain what has happened. So in John chapter 9, it goes like this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why is this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? So one of the things that was common in Jewish culture was they recognized that the reason, they, they thought that the reason somebody was blind was because they had done something wrong or their parents had done something wrong and God had stricken them blind as a result of that and because of that it was visible evidence of their sin. What's interesting about that is that um, Jesus talks about, later on in this passage, he talks about a connection between being physically blind and spiritually blind. And so there is an understanding about being spiritually blind that is connected to sin, but this physical blindness is not connected to sin, okay? So Jesus uses this as an example to speak to them about what is really going on here. And Jesus says in verse 3, he says, Not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happens so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by, by the one who has sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can do work. Can, no one can work. But while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says this. He says, it's not because of his sin. That's not the reason. It's not because of his parents' sin. That's not the reason he's blind. He is blind so that the power of God can be evident in this man. And he's setting him up, basically, right? He said, we got a lot of work to do here on this earth. He says, I'm, while I'm here and I'm the light of the world, you, you've got to see the power that is of God and is going through me, basically. The fact that I have the very power of God inside of me. And he's going to show that he has the ability to heal this blind man of his blindness. Now, the bigger picture here is this. So take your focus just for a minute off the fact that Jesus is going to heal the blind man, which we all know that Jesus has the ability to do. Jesus has the ability to open our eyes to our spiritual blindness, too. He has the ability to show us that we are spiritually blind, that we are dead in our trespasses and sin. That, 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 that those that, that, that love sin love the darkness because they, they want their sin to be hidden. So uh, spiritual darkness and spiritual blindness tied together. And, and what is going on here is, is Jesus is going to show that there is a connection between spiritual blindness and sin, not necessarily the physical blindness and the sin. So 
He's saying, I got a lot of work to do while we're here, so uh, he's kind of setting them up for what's going to happen. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with a slime, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go and wash yourself in the pool of Shalom. Shalom, he said, so the man went and washed and came back see. Now, you say, okay, why did he make mud? And why did he spit on the ground and make mud? And why did he take the mud and then rub that on the guy's eyes to heal him? I've got a very spiritual answer for that question. I've asked that question a million times. You've probably asked yourself that question. Why did he make mud to heal the blind man's eyes? I don't know. Because he can. Maybe that's the answer. Because he wanted to. I don't know. He could have just said, see. You know what I mean? Like, I mean... And that, that's how Jesus does things. He wants to make breakfast. He says breakfast. And, you know, but th this particular time, he wanted to rub mud on the guy's eyes, so he did. I, I don't have any big, profound spiritual answers. There's probably a thousand commentaries that tell you, well, you know, there's something in the dirt, the fact that we came from the dust of the earth, and then he, he, he you know, God breathing life into the dust of the earth and restoring the man's eye, all that kind of stuff. The truth is, I don't know. Uh, there, there's probably a thousand different theories out there, but I don't know that you can trust any of them because Jesus just did it, and we don't really know why. Okay? So that's all I got for you on that. All right, everybody clear? Okay, good. <laughs> Go and wash, your, wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which means sin. So Jesus says, all right, he sends the guy off. says, Go and wash yourself. Why did Jesus send him away? I don't know that either. Uh, maybe he needed a few minutes, and maybe he needed the guy to go and think about his sin and think about what, was, what Jesus was really doing there. And, and, and maybe that's all that was going on. Or maybe he needed to go and see the neighbors that were at the pool of Siloam. So it says in verse 8, his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, is this is the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, some said he was, and others said, no, he, is, he just looks like him. But the beggar just kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who heals you? What happened? So they referred to him as a beggar, okay? And one of the things that would happen oftentimes is because uh, if you weren't able to see, people would assume you had sin in your life or your parents had sin. So therefore, they would kind of isolate you and you wouldn't necessarily be able to get a job. You wouldn't be able to make money for yourself. You wouldn't be able to go to the temple because they would consider you spiritually unclean. That there was something wrong with you because you were blind. Therefore, you would be forced to a life of begging. And a lot of times they would sit at the entrance of the temple and that's where beggars would hang out. Um, they couldn't really go into the temple. They couldn't go into the, the courtyard area because they, they weren't allowed to go in there because they were spiritually unclean. So therefore, they would stay outside, and they were always begging and asking for people to, to give them money so that they could sustain their life. And I, I think that uh, there's, there's a lot that could be said about that. Um, I, I think that there are a lot of people that feel like their lives are kind of like that. They feel like themselves to be spiritually unclean. Therefore, they're on the outside looking in. Uh, they, they feel like they're not worthy. They feel like they don't deserve to be in the presence of God. Well, let me tell you, if you have that, that kind of mentality that, that you, you, you don't deserve to be in the presence of God, you're absolutely in the right place. Uh, a lot of people will say, I can't come to church because, you know, I, I know all the junk I got going on in my life. I need to clean my life up first, and then I'll come to church, and I'll come and hang out with those holy people. Well, I don't know if you've looked around in here, but there's a lot of jacked up people in here. Number one, jacked up being standing up here in front of you guys, right? So the idea that we're going we're gonna to go out there, clean our lives up, and then we're going to come in here, and then we're all going to our, sing our songs and lift our hands in worship, and everything's going to be correct in our heart and perfect in our heart, and we won't ever have a need to come down to the altar and pray about the fact that we're jacked up. You know, all that kind of stuff is just garbage. The reality is, is that every single person in here needs a Savior. The thing that separates us from everybody else is the fact that that we understand that we need a Savior. That's why we come in here. 
And we are thankful that we have a Savior. That doesn't mean we got everything cleaned up and we're all perfect and we're all living these, these holy, holy, holy lives. We got stuff, okay? Everybody's got stuff. But we recognize that we need a Savior, so we come in here to hear more about Him, to connect more with Him, and to say, you know what? I'm going to worship you for who you are. I need you so much, God, I need to be close to you. And that's why we come in here. So you've got a friend of yours that says, I can't go into that church because I'm too messed up. Just look at him and say, you're not more messed up than me. And you're certainly not more messed up than my pastor. Y'all should really, you should really, you should come in here, you know? I mean, really, I mean, that's the way I feel. Um, this man, I mean, imagine what it's like to go through your life. Not only you're blind, but he, he feels like he's isolated and everybody looks at him and all they see is sin. They, they look at him, that's, that's the center. That's, look, the reason he's blind is because he's a sinner. He's an outcast. Uh, and we'll see about his parents here in just a minute. They're kind of jerks too, but... Um, Anyway, so he's, he's, they call him a beggar. He's, he's relegated to a life of begging because he doesn't really have any other way to make money because he's seen as a sinner. And then they start asking, uh, is this the same guy? This, is this the guy that's been blind for birth? Are we sure this is the same dude? And they're like, no, that's, that's somebody that looks like him. He's got a doppelganger out there somewhere. That's just, it's just somebody else, you know? And the, and the guy, um, I think he gets frustrated here because he says it with an exclamation point. Yes, I am the same dude. You know, like exclamation point. That's in the message version. I am the same guy. I am the same one is what he says. They ask, who healed you? What happened? How did you get healed? He told them the man called. They told him. See what I mean? You're telling people to come in here. Or all the other jacked up people are. He told them. The man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes. I don't know why I'm mud, but he made up and spread it over my eyes. and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. And So I went and washed, and now I can see. Like, it's not a complicated story. Mud, line, washed, see, you know. Where is he now, they asked. That's what I'd be asking, too, by the way. Hey, that dude, where'd he go? Because uh, I got some other stuff going on, and I'd kind of like to see if he can make some more mud. I don't know, he replied. And then they took the man uh, who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was uh, on the Sabbath. Uh-oh, the Sabbath. There we go. That Jesus had made mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told him. He put mud on, over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees, this man, Jesus, is not from God. He is working on the Sabbath. <laughs> okay, so because Satan has this real, real, real weird way of uh, you know, making blind people able to see, you know, right? Like that's, Satan's really into that sort of thing. So they say, this man must not be from God. It must be some other power by which he made this guy able to see, right? Because he's working on the Sabbath. Now, they had all kinds of stupid laws about the Sabbath, right? So God had basically given them the Sabbath so that they could have a rest. And the Pharisees took this Sabbath idea and made it un ungodly, basically. They took it to, a, uh, uh, to an unhealthy level by saying, you know what? We're supposed to rest, therefore... Uh, we, we really can't even do anything to sustain ourselves. We can't, uh, we can't really walk anywhere. We can't really make food. We can't really do anything. We're just supposed to lay around, right? And that was not really the intention of God. God said uh, he made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. So it, it, a lot of times people would take it to this unhealthy level, and it, God's like, this doesn't have anything to do with me. I, I tried to give you this Sabbath rest so you could take that day off and you could, you could, you could rest and restore yourself. Um, so that you can come back and, and be ready to go. But uh, these Pharisees had taken all these things and made it absolutely ridiculous. There's a story about this, this man who was 
the crippled, and, 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 and Jesus healed him from being crippled, and he told him to take up his mat and walk, and the guy got in trouble for carrying his mat on the Sabbath. You know, I mean, like, it's ridiculous stuff. Ridiculous stuff. And, and here they said, this man can't be from God because he's doing work on the Sabbath. How much work was it to make mud? Probably not a lot, right? I mean, he, he's making mud. I mean, imagine the fact that they just said, I, I think that it's interesting here that they didn't really deny that Jesus was able to make the guy see, that he was blind and now he could see. They got mad about the mud and the fact that he was doing something on the Sabbath. I mean, the fact that he is, there's a blind man that can now see, and they're all mad about the fact that he's doing work on the Sabbath. Can you see how blinded they are? Can you see how ridiculous that is? They aren't like jumping up and down going, this dude was blind, and now he can see, and how awesome is that? They're going, he was working on the Sabbath. Like, that's where their focus is. Oh, look, I do this sometimes too, though. I mean, God will do a great miracle in my life, and I'm, I'm just, I'm all keyed up about something else. And I'm like, I forget to see the, the great thing that God has done, you know what I mean? Like, I, I forget to see what's right plainly in front of me that is so good and of God that I'm so focused on everything else that I, I don't even see the goodness of God in the middle of, of, of that. I mean, I, I'm so, sometimes it's my own religiosity, sometimes it's, you know, I, I, I'm so legalistic sometimes, and I, I don't see God at work in the middle of it because I'm so focused on all those other things and not the thing that God is doing. I do that. I, you ever had a friend that does that to you? Like, like they just didn't say, you're like, you don't understand how good this is. Like, the, 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 one of the frustrating things about ministry um, is that you'll read a passage, and then you'll just have your tears, like, soaking the pages, you know what I mean? Like, you're just overwhelmed with it, and you're like, man, this is going to be so good when I bring this to, to the congregation. They're going to be overwhelmed by this. There are going to be people wheeling, uh, wailing and, and just kneeling at their seats, and it's going to be awesome. You know, and, then, and you get up to that point, and you make that point, and everybody goes. You know what I mean? Like, and, and you're like, oh, but that was so good, you know. But the reality is, is that our situations and what we're going through in our own life, it, it affects the way that we see things. And, and, and a lot of times when we say things that may be very profound and maybe in Scripture, and it may have spoke to me specifically in my heart, and that's the reason I got tears on my Bible, but... But it, you may not be in the same spot in your life. It may not be something that speaks to you exactly the same way. That's so, why it's so important for you to take God's word and you for to read it for yourself. It's because God will speak to you through it, and there will be times where there will be tears on your own Bible. And, and, and God reveals stuff to you, and you'll see stuff, and you'll be like, man, that is really good. And you may take that to a friend and say, look what God showed me, and they may give you one of these. But understand that God is using your life and things in your life to speak to you in a special way so that you know that God is speaking to you through his word. So just, just a little snippet for you. That didn't cost you anything, but I just wanted to share that with you. All right. So, sorry, excuse me. I took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath. Jesus made mud and healed him. Pharisees. Asked the man all about it, so he told them. He put mud over my eyes, and when they washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, man is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of, among, uh, of opinion among them. So here they got two sides saying, well, he can't be from God because he's, he's working on the Sabbath. And then there's another side saying, this is an ordinary man. 
an ordinary sinner, he's not a Pharisee, he's not a Sadducee, he's not one of us, he's just an ordinary man. How, 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 can, how can he do such things? So the good news is, is that there's some of them that are actually paying attention, right? At least they're asking questions. The first place that you get to in, in, in coming to faith in Christ is to ask questions, and some of these are asking questions. That's good. So they're deeply divided in, in their opinions among them. But when the Pharisee, Pharisees, again, question the man, who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who heals you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, the Jewish leaders still refused to believe that the man had been blind and now can see. So they called in his parents. They asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how, how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He is old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of Jew the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jew Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from their synagogue. That's why they said he is old enough. Ask him. So, uh, in my opinion, his parents are kind of not good, uh, crappy, you might say, um, because he has parents and he's a beggar. I think that's not good. In my opinion, I think if you got a son and they know where he is, obviously they're living, living in relatively close proximity to him. They know kind of where he is because they were able to call on his parents. They knew where his parents were. Go get his parents. Well, they must have known. Parents are right down the road. Go grab his parents. Parents have a blind child. And all, I mean, I, I think that this is probably what happened. I, I don't know if it's, you know, I think it's bad the fact that they ousted their son and he's got a bag on the side of the road for food and for money. Um, but I think that probably when they looked at him, they said, look, he's visible evidence of our sin. Either our sin or his sin, one or the other. And he's spiritually unclean. And we want to be able to go to the synagogue. It, it, they said that, it says right there that he was, they were already worried that anybody that claimed that Jesus was Messiah, that, that they wouldn't be able to go to the synagogue. They'd be kicked out of the synagogue. So these people are obviously very worried about being able to go to the synagogue. And now they've got a son who's, who's blind, and, and they're probably looking at that going, man, I think that deep down, they had a deep desire to be close to God, but they didn't really know how to do it. You know what I mean? Like, like it was very superficial and on the outside, but when it came to something like loving their son, even if that meant ousting him because he was blind, they were willing to do that. I think that people get mixed up all the time. I think they get mixed up all the time. One of the things that you see in, uh, in very remote countries and stuff like that, and we, we, we've done numerous stories about this where people that they have albino children maybe in Africa they see them as demon possessed and they'll house them out and they'll be orphans they won't have a place to go uh, because the wish doctors and so forth will tell them that the reason that that child has got this deformity this ailment is because there is something wrong with them they're, they're demon possessed or something like that and the children will get actually ousted and, and, and become orphans as a result of that but that didn't just happen in, in remote countries in Africa it also happens in, in places like here in the United States and, you know, parents that have a kid who's challenged in some way and, and they, they don't love that child. They, they look at, at that child as some sort of a, a detriment on them, that there's something wrong with them, and that's the reason they had a child that has something wrong with them. That's the total wrong way to look at that. And God gives us the opportunity in our hearts to have so much grace and so much mercy and so much love 
But you know what? No matter what we're faced with and what we're challenged with, whether it's our own children or somebody else's children that we love like our own, whatever the case may be, that, that we've got this opportunity to pour out our grace and show that we're the loving, graceful people that we are. And that even though when, when, when people don't necessarily receive our love or accept our love, that we're to pour it out on them anyway. It's a perfect example of the kind of grace that God instills inside of us. And, and, and some children don't have the capacity to, to understand that love and to grasp that. But we're supposed to pour, the, pour it out on them anyway. And that's a perfect example of us in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. The fact that we, we, we reject His love. We turn away from His love. And yet He loves us anyway. And continues to pursue after us and wrap us up with His love. And I, I, I think that sometimes that we miss that beautiful picture sometimes. And we miss the fact that we have the opportunity to be part of that beautiful picture. And, 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 and we are surrounded with opportunities to love on, on kids. And League of Our Own is about to start up here in, in, in just a little while, and I'm so excited about it. I mean, it's like one of the favorite times of the year for me. Springtime, League of Our Own, we get to go out there. Uh, the kids with special needs get to play baseball, and we get to, uh, we get to play baseball with them. And it's an awesome thing. And I, I think that God has called this particular church to that ministry, and I believe that, that we will constantly be pouring into that, and we will forever be part of a league of our own. I think that we'll, we'll continue to always be a part of that because it's such a, a gift that God has given us to be ambassadors of his love. And here, I think these parents, I think they missed that. They're so worried about being in the synagogue that they missed love. You know, sometimes I think that we do that a little bit. Um, we, I, I have seen this firsthand. I've seen people, um, when, I, when I was in, in college, I worked at a place uh, called Kids Sport. Some of you know this place, some of you don't. Um, Kids Sport was a place that's like a giant play place. Imagine if uh, Burger King and their ball pit and their slides and all that. Imagine it was about three times that size and their birthday party rooms and video games and that sort of thing. So I worked there as assistant manager there. And one of the things I was responsible for was going in and making sure that uh, the birthday parties were taken care of. I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but this is what I enjoyed doing. Um, the birthday parties were taken care of. had all the drinks for the birthday parties and stuff. And I had to ask the people to leave so we could clean up for the next party. And I can remember um, I can remember one distinct the Sunday afternoon, about 2 o'clock, these people still dressed in their church clothes. And, and, and it was time for them to get out of the party room so that we could get ready for the next party. And I walked in there and said, man, I'm not... Um, I know you guys are welcome to hang out as long as you want to. We just ask if you could go outside the party room here so we can clean this up and get ready for the next party. And she cussed me like a dog in her church clothes. And I was, I mean, I got to thinking, I was like, man, what an awesome representation of the place you just came from. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't rude to the lady. I promise I wasn't rude to the lady, and I wasn't short with the lady. I said, I said just like that, I said, man, man. We need to clean this up so the next party can come in, but you guys can hang out right outside the room if you like. And uh, and she did. She basically just dog cussed me about the fact that I was kicking them out of their room and they had paid good money for that room and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I explained, of course, they only had the room for a certain amount of time and all that kind of good stuff. But at the same time, I got to thinking, like, you just got out of church. Like, I mean, I, like, I don't even know if you went to Cracker Bear before you came here. Like, you, you came straight from church to here and, and you're dog cussing me on a Sunday afternoon. It's like, you may have been to the synagogue, but you missed the love. You missed the love, which is a key thing that you should have gotten when you came out of there. You missed the love. And here I think these parents are falling victim to that a little bit too. And of course, Pharisees are even greater picture of that too. They were worried, like, ask him, put the blame on him. So at the same time, they called a man 
little bit of wine. He told them, <laughs> and told him, God should get the glory for this. Because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. <laughs> this guy's uh, position is pretty interesting. I don't know whether he's a sinner or not, the man replied. But I know this, I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed. I told you once, don't you listen? Why do you, why do you want to hear it again? See, that's the key right there. Why do you want to hear it again? Why do you want to hear it again? They want to hear something different is what they want to hear. They want to hear him say, okay, now you've heard to your parents and their stance on everything, so now we want to hear it a different way. Can you bring it to us a different way? That was the problem with the Pharisees, that they always wanted to hear it a certain way. They didn't want to hear that Jesus was the Messiah. They didn't want to hear that Jesus had the power of God inside of him. They didn't want to hear that. As a matter of fact, there's an account in, in Scripture where, where they're actually, literally, it says they plugged their ears and shouted loudly. It's like they were going, no, 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 because of the reality of who Jesus was. And I mean, like, that's, that's the mentality of the Pharisees, the fact that they don't want to accept the reality of what's going on here. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? So he asked him kind of sarcastically. Oh, you want to hear it again so I can tell you more about him as the Messiah and, and then you can become his followers? Then they cursed him and said, I got mad about that. You are his disciple. But we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses. But we don't know, we, we don't even know where this man comes from. That's why, why that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Okay. This is a beggar that's been sitting outside the temple listening. He knows his Old Testament, right? He knows something about God. He knows something about the way God is. Maybe this is because he, you know, he heard from his parents who were, who were in the synagogue. Maybe, uh, maybe he heard... Enough about uh, God to understand the truth of God. And he goes on to say, ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. He knows his scripture. If this man went out from God, he couldn't have done it. He says, nobody's been able to heal the blind until this dude shows up on the scene. And you want to sit here and tell me that he's a sinner. And he's not from God. I mean, here is a blind beggar. Come on. You're finally taking a stance going, come on, guys, get a grip. This is Jesus. This is the Messiah. You're not listening. You're not seeing clearly. I can see clearly now. I've got sight to see clearly now. He can see clearly now, not just because he's not blind anymore, but because he has seen who Jesus is. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. So obviously they've got great disdain for this man who's been saying, you know what, this man's got to be from God. It's funny that they say this. You were born a total sinner. What is one thing that we know of not every person that is born? They're born a total sinner, right? Here they're trying to make a distinction between this guy and themselves. They're saying, you were born a total sinner. And we all know that every single one of us, we're born into this world, we're born sinners. 
separated from God because of our sin. And they say, are you trying to teach us? And they threw them out of the synagogue. You see, they had the perspective in, in Jesus' day that in order to be made right with God, that you had to do all these certain things externally. It was how you fasted. It was how you prayed. It was what you wore. All these kinds of things, these legalistic type things, that that's what represented your relationship with God. And the fact that they look at this man and say, you're born a total sinner, is the fact that they're ignorant to the fact that they're born total sinners. And they think that they've got a right relationship with God because of all this external stuff that's going on on the outside, how they appear, how they look to everybody else. The reality is the main problem that they have is their heart and the fact that they don't see that they were born total sinners. They don't see that they're in need of a Savior. That's the reason they don't see Jesus as being the Messiah. They don't see clearly that Jesus is what they need. They think that they have what they need. And that's the eternal struggle, right? That's, that's where the, the rubber meets the road, isn't it? When we talk about our lives and we talk about seeing things clearly and see the greater thing that God is doing, what we have the problem with doing is saying we're the answer to what we need. We get, we get to be like the Pharisees a little bit, don't we? I, I, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to make this right. Instead of leaning into Christ, I say, God, I trust you to do this. You're the answer to every prayer that I have. You're the answer to every need that I have. You're the answer to every good thing that happens and every bad thing that happens. You are the answer. And we start seeing things with that kind of clarity, then we start seeing things the right way. Because we can get so wrapped up in ourselves and we can get so wrapped up in our little microcosm of our lives that we see that we're the ones that have to fix it all. If you think that you can fix it all, you're wrong. If you think you can go out there and fix yourself and then come back here where all the righteous people are, you're wrong. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. And see, the reality is, we look at ourselves, the people that come in here, we look at ourselves and we go, we can't do it all. We don't have the ability. And we certainly don't have the ability to rescue ourselves. We don't have the ability to save ourselves. That's why we come in here. To think that we can do it all on our own would mean that we, we get the wrong message. We get the wrong picture of life. That's why we come in here is because we can't. The Pharisees wrote the opinion that, that they had the answers. So let's wrap it up here. End of chapter 9 says, uh, When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? So he's challenging, challenging the man on his scriptural knowledge a little bit here. The Son of Man, referenced by the prophets, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe that there's going to be a Messiah that's coming? Do you believe that there's going to be a rescue or a Savior that's going to come? Do you believe... The man answers, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. So he's got the wrong, right kind of theology, but he doesn't know who the person is. He doesn't, he doesn't exactly know who the person is. He, I think, I think when I read this, I think I hear this man opening up to give Jesus the chance to say that's who he is. I think he wants to believe. I think that he, he kind of has an idea. He's already said that he believes this man's from God. He already said that he's a prophet. And he's like, oh, are you the dude? That's, I feel like that's what he's saying. Like, like, I know you're from God. I know you're a prophet. I know you can do stuff that's from God. I don't care if it's on the Sabbath or not. That's not what I care about. I can tell that you're from God. And he says, who is he, sir? Who is this Messiah? I want to believe in him. 
the Son of God looks at him and says, You have seen him, Jesus said. And he is speaking to you. Have you ever had that encounter with Jesus? Some people in this room have never had that encounter with Jesus. Some people in this room do not know Jesus because you've never had that encounter with Jesus. John chapter 9, verse 37. You have seen him, and he is speaking to you. I don't know what causes you to see Jesus. It has to be a work of God. God does this work, and here in this man's life, he opened this man's eyes so that he could see him. Come into a church service, maybe we aren't expecting to see Jesus. Maybe we come into a church service because it's Sunday and we're supposed to be here. Maybe we know deep down that Jesus is the Messiah and that, that He's the reason we come in here and we need a Savior and we know that we're coming to seek Him. But one day, something happens. It's not like any other message that you've ever heard, it's not like anything else that anybody's ever said. Just one day, one day you hear and you see Jesus. And you recognize he's speaking to me. Charles Spurgeon was an account when he was rescued from his sin and came to faith in Christ. It was like the, the snowy day and he walked to church on his own. And the pastor just said, look, look unto God. He said, I heard, heard this pastor say a million different things and nothing really spoke to me the way he said, look, look unto God. And that day Charles Spurgeon came to faith in Christ and became one of the greatest preachers of all. Something supernatural happens and God opens our eyes and we see. We hear Jesus saying, you have seen him. And he is speaking to you. And this man's response was the right response. This is, the, this is where I get hung up a little bit. This is where it's very heartbreaking to see this in ministry. But you see people see Jesus. You see them hear the call of God. He's speaking to you. He says, yes, Lord, I believe the man said and he worshiped Jesus. Have you ever experienced John chapter 9, verses 37 and 38? Have you ever had that encounter with God? Verse 39 says this, And Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who they think they can see that they are blind. It's talking about the Pharisees. So the Pharisees were standing nearby and heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? So he says this in a place where they're within earshot so they can hear what he's really saying. So are you saying that we're blind? We were confusing in this translation, but I'll read it to you. It says in verse 41, If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim to see. This is what he says. If you were to acknowledge that you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. If you were to say that, yes, I'm blind, then you'd be in the right place. But you remain guilty because you claim to see. Let's look at these Pharisees who were as lost as they could be because they got all this external brain knowledge and all this kind of external stuff that they're putting on every day to make themselves look and appear to be holy. They're missing the heart knowledge, right? They're missing the fact that their hearts are not right. And their hearts are not right because they refuse to see. 
first thing they refused to see is they refused to see Jesus as the Messiah. They refused to see the fact that God has at work through this man named Jesus. The reason that they refused to see that God has at work through this man named Jesus is because Jesus claims to be the Messiah. We read that, that the, the, the parents would be kicked out of the church if anybody would claim that Jesus was Messiah. They refused to see that Jesus is Messiah. Why do they refuse to see that? It's because of themselves. You see who they're worshiping? They're worshiping themselves as their Savior. They're worshiping themselves as their Messiah. They're not putting their faith and their trust in the one who came to show that he was truly the man of God, the son of God. This one man who was blind had his eyes open that day. Jesus rubbed some mud on his eyes and he began to see clearly. He began to see clearly that this man was from God and he saw that he was at least a prophet to begin with. And he starts thinking about all the things that he's experienced. The Pharisees are challenging him. Are you sure that this is really what happened to you? This can't possibly be what happened. This man can't possibly be from God. You know what's funny? Is that we tend to look at our own experiences and look at our own church services and look at our own uh, the Holy Spirit when he's working in us and talking to us and speaking to us. This is what we say. That can't possibly be from God. That can't possibly be what that is. That's just, that's just my emotions. That's just where I am right now. And that's the reason... That I, that I feel like there's tears in my eyes or a lump in my throat or there's this gnawing in my stomach. That can't really be from God. That can't really be the work of God in me. This, that, that's just something else. And it'll pass, it'll pass, it'll pass. And that's the same thing that they said with Jesus. But this man will just go away. If he won't go away, we'll make him go away. And they tried to crucify him. The thing about it is, Thank you.